Behind the Manx Productions presents the Credible Nerds Podcast with your hosts, Justin and Mark. Justin, we have a special treat for you as we start up a new book series, and we'll be getting into the Dresden Files. And as always, I have my trusty sidekick and wizard with me, Mark. Hey guys, how's it going? We want to welcome you to the first episode of the Starborn Report. As we talk about and break down and discuss the Dresden Files, we'll start with book one in this episode and move on through to the end eventually. Uh, he has two new books coming out this year after a long hiatus from the Dresden Files due to personal issues and just stuff going on with his life. So we're glad that the author, Jim Butcher, is is getting back into it and is starting to write more Dresden Files. Uh, this first book is called Stormfront, and we'll be discussing that. But first off, we want to talk about just kind of our backstory with the Dresden Files, how we were introduced to it, how we got into it, and just kind of what we like about it, I guess. Uh, so we'll start first with you, Mark. Uh, as as we start talking, it'll become apparent why Mark is going first. But how did you first hear about the Dresden Files, Mark? Uh, well, so I was introduced, I mean, it had to be 2002, 2003, right around there. Um, I worked at a ropes course, if you know what that is. And uh, I it was like an overnight event. So I was staying at the facility overnight, you know, waiting for the morning, uh, to events to start. And I was bored as could be. Um, and so I started going through some old boxes that were in the house there because I, I don't remember why there were boxes there. There were just boxes and there were books in them. I was like, Oh, maybe a cool book. And I, one of the first books I, I picked up was this Dresden files one called Stormfront. And I remember looking at it and thinking, ah, that, that, kind of looks lame. And I set it down and I went through all the books and they were even worse. And so I was like, okay, I'm, I'm bored enough. I'm going to read this book. And I dang near read the whole book that night. Like I just could not put it down. It was so interesting and it was well-written. Um, I really enjoyed the Harry Dresden character. I really enjoyed the, some of the wit and you know what they did, because this is kind of after the big, um, or I guess during the big Harry Potter push, you know, and everyone was loving the Harry Potter thing. And this was, you know, about a wizard named Harry uh, living in Chicago. And so it's more like real world, more down to earth, not so fantasy like. And it just drew me in, you know, from every character, from Bob to Murphy to everyone, you know, just all the major characters in there. Um, so many of the ones that are introduced and, you know, come and go. And the story arc was amazing. I, I just fell in love with it. And I finished it the next night. So I, I did like the, got no sleep, did the whole thing, and then stayed up all night the next night and finished it. And so this is Saturday. And on Monday, I went into the library to see if there was any, any more, if it, you know, because internet wasn't huge back then. You know, you didn't have smartphones so you can really check it so i went to the inner uh, library and they had books three two three and four and uh and i checked them all out and i read them and i i never set it down i bought every book on its release since uh, i have multiple autographs from jim butcher on this and then they came out with a uh uh what a, the animation version you know yeah the graphic novel so they have uh, graphic novels of books one and two and then like a couple other stories so I got those and he signed a bunch of those and it's just I've loved it since uh, I really enjoy the books they I reread some of them multiple times um, it, it's been a great story and, and I think I got you into it right I I brought it to your attention and said hey have you ever read this book yeah yeah so that's why you go first because you introduced me to the Dresden Files I think we were well, I remember we were at a movie theater sitting there waiting for the movie to start. And I believe it might have been one of the Harry Potter movies. Uh, we were just sitting there. 
And you started talking about it. And you're like, oh, dude, you got to check out this Harry Dresden series. It's pretty sweet. You were telling me about it. And I remember you were talking about it. And the people in front of us or next to us or something, they're like, dude, are you talking about Harry Dresden? And you're like, yeah. And th- that guy had heard about it. He'd been reading it. And he loved it too. So then I'm like, well, I guess I better read it then. <laughs> so I uh, picked it up, started reading it. Um, I, To be honest, I had a, I liked it, but I was also reading some other books. And so I had a hard time getting into it. So I remember for the first um, two, three years, you kept bugging me about it. And I, it wasn't that I didn't like it. I just was reading other things. So I uh, eventually got into it again and finished the up to the last book. And we started this new reread and definitely enjoying it a lot more. Um, I think because I'm not worried about these other stories I got to read or these other books. And I pretty much focused on these ones. And it's like reading it for the first time. Um, it's been such a w- long time since I started reading it. Um, probably, well, it's been more than 10 years. So there are parts that I, I don't remember. So it's like reading it for the first time, discovering it again. So it's been great. And looking at the, the front cover, the first book, the copyright is 2000. So it's been 20 years since this first book was published and um, it's still going strong. So that's, that's good. Yeah. I, I, I think there were on book 15 now and there's some debate about how many books are coming out. Some people said 21. I've heard 23. Um, so I don't really know quite where it ends. So, I mean, there's still books to come out. And and he had, has other series too. You know, I mean, I know we're talking about the Dresden Files here, but he has – I mean, we've both read the Codex Alera by Jim Butcher. That was a great series. And they just came out with another book. Was it the Aaron – it's called Aeronauts, Aeronauts Windlass. What's the series called? I can't remember. But that's a great one, right? I liked that book. I've read that book like three times already. So um, he's just a fun author, I think, and I've enjoyed his books. So, right. And like you said, we've met him a, a couple of times here and there at different conventions. I think the first time we met him was at New York Comic Con. Was that mm-hmm. the first place? Yeah. Yeah, we went to that uh, like lunch thing or the party or something like that, right? Uh, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I remember. Uh, he's, you know, I love his books. He's a different guy, you know, he's just, you know, normal author. I mean, I guess every author kind of has their niche, you know, and, but, uh, he's definitely nice enough and, um, you know, above everything else, I love his books. So (laughs) yeah, he's a good guy. He's a little nerdy, but so are we. So (laughs) yeah, exactly. Um, I'm glad he cut his hair though, because that (laughs) Yeah, he had the long hair when we first met him, right? And then he, I believe he cut it recently, or the last time we saw him anyway, when he came out to Salt Lake. Salt Lake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen him in New York. Uh, I saw him in California. He did a book signing out there, and I just happened to be there. And I drove two hours just for the book signing. <laughs> um, so uh, it's it's been fun following him. I, I've really enjoyed it. And like we said, he just got off a hiatus. He was going through some some personal things in his life. And so uh, he was coming out with like one or two books a year there for quite a while. And I think it's been maybe three years or so since he's really gone gung ho. And now we're getting two books within four months of each other. Yeah. When does the next book come out? Is it this month or next month? It comes out July. Okay. I think end, endish of July. I'll have to look up the date. And then the next one's in September. Yeah. So it's pretty quick. Uh, book, yeah, I think it's book 15 and 16, which will be great. I, I'm excited for that. Yeah, looking forward to that. All right, so that's our introduction to the Dresden Files, how we got started, and our overall thoughts of, of the series and the author, Jim Butcher. So we'll get started with book one. Like I said, it was published in 2000. It's called Stormfront. We'll break it down just to, like an overall, hey, this is what the story's about, and then we'll get into it a little more deeply as we go along. So Mark, do you want to give us a, a slight plot rundown and what's going on? Yeah. So <clears throat> book kind of just starts out normal stocks that starts out, you know, talking about Harry Dresden, um, you know, introducing his character, his world, uh, talking about how he's a wizard in Chicago and 
that he actually holds a business uh, indicating that he's a wizard and he finds things and no finds things and nobody ever takes him seriously. Um, he's the except, country's only wizard for hire, I think, is what the book says. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know just like anyone says, I think you know it talks about some people coming up and kind of making fun of it. Like what, like you do parties and stuff and blah, blah, blah. So he's, he's really kind of heckled quite a bit, uh, as you can imagine. But, um, he works close, uh, along the line with Lieutenant Karen Murphy and she's introduced in this book and they have a long history with every book. I mean, these are some great friends that we will learn a lot about them, but in this book, they're kind of introduced and they know each other. They've done some work with each other and she works in a, um, in a special investigation group as a Lieutenant in the police force about the crimes that can't really be solved easily. You know, it's kind of, one of those unsolvable things like, oh, we found somebody that was torn up um, and their head eaten off or something. And that's just weird, right? Like you can't explain that. So it gets thrown to special investigations to figure it out. So it introduces a couple of the main characters. We get introduced to Bob and we'll talk about Bob more later. So what happens is he, uh, you know, Harry gets called in by Karen Murphy to investigate something's weird. And he shows up and he finds... He finds this lady and this guy with their chests like ripped out and open. And he doesn't know how to take it. He knows it's done by magic. He's got to figure it out. So he, he spends pretty much this whole book investigating what's going on. He wants to get to the bottom of it. Uh, he runs into a couple problems. Uh, his first problem being is Morgan, right? Yeah. Warden Morgan. Yeah, and this guy. He's one of what? the things I had forgotten about. I didn't remember he was so... Um hostile towards Harry. In oh this man, first book. he he is the biggest jerk for lack of a not a nicer word, right? He is chump city. He really is. Um he he has been he has been put in charge of of Harry as far as watching him to ensure he obeys the law of magic. And it talks about kind of a, a little bit about Harry's past, uh, about how when he was young, he he didn't understand the laws of magic. He was never introduced. He didn't know about any other wizards, white council, like the white council is the ruling council of wizards, et cetera, et cetera. And we'll get into more on that later. I know this is weird, but you should have read the book. So yeah. you'll know what I'm talking about. You read the book. And, uh, and so he, um, War, the so Harry had the, what's called the Doom of Democles put over him, which basically says, "Look, you made a big mistake, but if you make another one, we're going to kill you." And there's no judge, there's no jury. We'll just kill you. And Warden Morgan is put in charge of carrying out that sentence. So he comes around to watch Harry, and all Morgan knows is that somebody had their chest ripped out from him, and Harry's the only wizard in the area with the power to do so. So he's in the area. He's looking for any reason to uh, shut Harry down, to kill him, because he does. They do not like each other, and um, so Harry goes throughout this book. He's trying to dodge Morgan. He's trying to help Karen. You know, Lieutenant Murphy out. He is kind of everywhere. You know, doing everything he can. He calls Pixies to help him out. You know, I mean, just we get introduced to Toot Toot here. Uh, Toot Toot's a main character. You know, well, not a main character, but he's kind of a big secondary character going throughout the book. So he, it's fun to read about him here. I forgot he was actually introduced this early. Yeah. Um, he's asking everybody he knows how for help. We get introduced to a couple characters here. He runs into a John, uh, gentleman, Johnny Johnny Marcone. He is the local. Crime Lord for I mean I don't know how else to explain him right yeah, he's he a runs yeah he's a gangster and he run runs Chicago with an iron fist he has pull with everybody and so he's a major character you know one of the major characters here uh, throughout the books he's introduced and and he gets involved because one of the people that are killed are one of his men and. Uh, so he's, you know, trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, he knows all about Harry. He completely believes in magic. He completely understands what what Harry is. And so their relationship is super hostile because Harry 
is good to a fault. And maybe that's the wrong word. He's his own sense of good to a fault. And so he is, you know, and here's Johnny McCone who is evil to a fault. So they're on opposite sides of the, uh, the coin already. Um, you know, so we've just follow Harry through all these different challenges as he's trying to uh, solve these murders and, you know, toe the line with the council. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of conflict with Karen Murphy because she wants to know more and Harry's trying to protect her by holding back. And, um, yeah, Harry has a soft spot for Karen Murphy that we see throughout the rest of the story and the series. But yeah, let's jump back to Johnny Marcone. And we were introduced to him right off the bat. Like he, Harry goes to the crime scene. He talks to Karen Murphy. He says he'll do the job. And he walks out of the, the crime scene to go do some investigation. And then Marcone, is it Marconi or Marcone? Marcone. He shows up, gets him in his car. He talks business with, with Harry right then. Um, so we're introduced to him right off the bat. And at least for these, these first couple books, he's a, he's a big player. So I think it's it's good that he's there. Uh, we we get to see the soul gaze. Is this, I think this is the first time we see it in this series with the soul gaze. That um, Harry's able to use his third eye, which is a it's kind of a spiritual gaze into someone else's soul, where they they can't hide anything and he can't hide anything either, and they learn the most in depth secrets. And just everything about the other person in, in, in an instant. It's pretty, I don't know how fast it is, but it's pretty, pretty quick. And so they come to an understanding of each other right off the bat, what their motivations are and um, how dangerous each other are. Yeah. It, yeah. The, the soul gaze is an interesting aspect because Harry has never seen himself. He doesn't know what other people see. But apparently it's effective enough that it gives pause to about everybody that sees it. And, I mean, I'd be interested to know what they see. Yeah. Does that ever come out at some point later? I don't think so. If I remember right, he just keeps saying, like, I wonder what they see. You know, when they look at me, what do they see? Because I know what I see. But, you know, he sees, you know, John, John, it is Johnny Marconi. He does see Johnny Marconi kind of pause and hesitate as he sees Harry. Um, it talks about other people that see him and they like faint. And so it's, it's a powerful, whatever it is. I mean, he has this ironclad, whatever, from for whatever he stands for, whatever defines him. And it, it's, it's a powerful thing. So, um, so there's two plot points or two storylines in this, two major storylines in this novel, in the, this first one. The first one is the murders that uh, he goes and talks to detect, or Lieutenant Murphy and her assistant Carmichael. Um, so there's that investigation. And then he goes back to his, after his confrontation with Marconi, he goes back to his office and there's a lady there waiting for him, Monica Sells. And this is the second major storyline of the series where she wants to hire him to investigate where her husband is, what he's doing. Um, I guess he got involved in magic. So he's been acting really strange lately and she wants to know what's going on. So she hires him, pays him 500 bucks right off the bat. And he starts his investigation, which I thought was funny that <laughs> he, he gets paid 500 bucks and is like, wow, that'll cover the first month's rent and part of the second month's rent that he owes. So his rent's like 300 bucks a month in Chicago. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, that's, that's been a while since prices have that's been that low. <laughs> so I thought yeah. that was funny. That's, that's something that kept popping up and I was reading. Like there's no cell phones or very limited use of cell phones, right? And I think that's something that as you rewatch old shows on Netflix or or read older stories, especially in the late, in the nineties, early two thousands, there's that technology where we totally have, everyone has smartphones right now. And, but in 2000, there weren't smartphones, right? And so how many plot points would dissolve if the person had a smartphone? 
is is something that I've I've always noticed. So and Harry's using pay phones throughout the the story. And, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's been years since I've seen a pay phone, yeah. right? So there's there's funny things like that. Um, but anyway, so Monica hires him. She gives him uh, an envelope with a scorpion in it, right? Like a dried up scorpion and leaves it with him. So he takes the case and he's going to investigate. Mm-hmm. And and that's how Tutu's introduced, right? He's using, you know, as he's trying to find out when, where Victor Sales is, he uses Toot Toot to figure it out. And we kind of find out uh, Toot Toot is like he's called a wild fae. So he uh, and so he's and and we learn more about that later, but he's a wild fae and he uh, is kind of his own little dude. Right. He just does his own thing. And but he's kind of connected. He's dealt with Harry in the past uh, quite a few times and he loves pizza. Right. That's basically how Harry pays him is with pizza. And mm-hmm. and through this pizza, he actually kind of starts discovering what's going on with with Monica's husband. Right. And his name's Victor kind of tries to starts to figure out what he's been into, um, that he's had some weird orgy parties at, you know, some lake house and uh, things like that. So, you know, he was pretty helpful. Um, and. You know, through his interactions with Tutu, we get some more Morgan going on. Morgan, you know, tries to uh, shake Harry down again as he's talking to Tutu, and then they throw punches. And uh, so we see even more hostility with Morgan and and Dresden. And they are – it's kind of weird because, you know, they fight for the same team, but their stances on that team are so opposite. Yeah. Well, why don't we talk a little bit about the White Council then? Because that's where Morgan's coming from. He's a representative of the council, and he is, like you said earlier, he's the watchdog for them. And so what's we – ha- we get a little bit of information this in this first story about the White Council. So what, what is their role, and why are they so eager or adamant that he needs to be watched? So the White Council is – basically the ruling council of wizards uh, throughout the world. And they are ruled by a wizard with a position known as the Merlin. And uh, and then they have, you know, it kind of trickles down. They, he's part of what's called the senior council. I don't think it goes too much about any of that here. But they basically have three laws of magic, period. One of them being thou shalt not kill. And it's pretty, pretty set. And that's exactly what happened with Harry. He killed another wizard, particularly, who was also a warden. And um, so that's what he was brought into charges for. Uh, law of magic is not to bind uh, beings against their will. And so that's kind of what Harry, uh, what Morgan uses here to justify, you know, kind of shaking down Harry and Harry, you know, brings up some technicalities. So there's some, you know, they have some bylaws and stuff, but it doesn't go too much into it. But, you know, Harry's like, oh, you know, that's a, you know, that doesn't, it's exempt from fairies and only that only applies to humans. And so, so they do have some laws that, that surround them and, and this council high, has these wardens, which are basically their police force, right, to to enact these laws. And we find out much later that that Morgan is actually one of the most powerful wardens in the in the entire uh, entire group. And we find out why Morgan is given to him is because Harry is so freaking powerful. So, yeah, but, you know, so we just kind of are, are lightly introduced to the, the council here. We find out a lot more about the council in book four. And I know that seems like a far way away, but it's not. But, yeah, we, we find out way more about it later. But it's uh, um, just a ruling group uh, that includes all the wizards. Uh, it You have to be accepted into their group um, through I, – I think it's a vote. I don't actually think they ever go into how you're accepted, but – um, there are apprentices and things like that. And it talks about, 
Harry being an apprentice for so long and then finally becoming, pre, you know, full wizard. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, it's a brief introduction. It definitely the, the council, who the, the members are, what their powers are and abilities and responsibilities is definitely expounded on as we go along, which is great. I think if we would have got the full rundown on the White Council in this first book, it would have fallen flat or it wouldn't have really jived with the rest of the story, at least in this first book and two or two, because that they we need to know they're that they're there, but we don't need to know everything, which is slowly revealed as we read throughout the series. Yeah. So like you said, Morgan comes out and shakes Harry down. Uh, they they fight. They have a short fist fight, and they go their ways. As as the investigation goes on, uh, there's another person that gets killed. Um, so we find out. Oh, we got to get into this part. So Harry wants to find out who uh, this person was that was that got killed. One of them was Marcone's men. The other one was a, a female, and she's tied to Bianca. Mm, and, yes. And the vampires. So he goes and confronts Bianca. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Bianca and her group, what they are. So, yeah, she go, he goes to visit Bianca, and he talks a little bit about her. And she is a vampire, and I believe it says of the Red Court. And we find out a little bit more what that means in book three of, as far as courts of vampires. But she's part of the Red Court, and she is super important person in Chicago. She's a she. Her day job is a madam. She runs a you know call girl service, and she has so much pull that no one can touch her. And not only that, she's a vampire, and she's super hot, right? She's super beautiful. She knows how to use it. And so, yeah, on the surface. So Harry goes over there to talk to her to find out what's going on, and we find out that Bianca is convinced that Harry is doing it because Harry is a wizard. She know like they know who each other are from a distance and they mostly just keep out of each other's way. And that's kind of how it is. You, you find out with most people like, uh, like we don't know what Harry can do, but we know he's a wizard. And whenever he shows up, all hell breaks loose. So let's, you know, we'll just keep our distance. And, um, and she attacks him. She goes for him and he is 100% ready. And this is kind of one of the cool parts where you see, you know, what Harry's good at. Um, he brings a cloth with him and she attacks him and he throws it out and it's a, it's a cloth holding sunlight. And as, as we all know from 10 million movies, uh, sunlight and vampires do not go together. And it totally rips away her... Um, you know, her, her top skin, her human skin, and it shows the beast underneath, you know, this big bat-like creature, you know, for a vampire. And Harry sees that and it totally destroys his vision of Bianca. You know, like at that moment, Bianca no longer has any power over him, you know, that way. Because he sees what's underneath, he, you know, and he kind of feels bad a little bit, right? I mean, you kind of see the empathy from Harry here, you know, this side of him that, uh, you know, he talks even in the book that he's, um, you know, he protects women for a fault. You know, he will always do what's best and, you know, help help them, even if it puts himself at mortal danger for no reason. And, and so you see him here, this woman's attacking him, and he, like, feels bad a little bit, like he took something from her. And after that, I mean, Bianca just hates him. I mean, it, it's never-ending because, uh, you know, he— she, she knows what happened. It destroyed. She no longer has power over him. And, and, you know, she just says to him, I have no idea who did it. I think it was you. But if you're telling me it's not, it's not. But get out. Next time I see you, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. And so Harry was like, okay, and out of there. He wasn't going to, he wasn't going to play around. I mean, uh, Bianca's dangerous enough that he doesn't want to play. And, and as he's leaving, uh, you know, Harry likes to protect humans. He likes to protect people, he knows. And and as he's leaving, Bianca decides, hey, I'm going to kill this person, this uh, secretary or helper named Rachel right in front of him. And she does. She sucks his, sucks his blood and kills her right in front of him. And there's nothing Harry can do, right? He He's not ready for that kind of fight. 
and he leaves. And uh, he kind of puts a note in his mind, kind of like, we'll, we'll get even one day. One day that'll, that'll come around. So, um, but I think this is a fun scene because we see a little bit of depth about who's involved. We see a little bit of depth about who Harry is and what he stands for. And that he knows his limits too. He's well aware of his limits and what people can do. And so it, it was a good part. It opened a lot of doors to Harry, you know, kind of peeling back the onions, you know, the onion there. So Bianca's part of the Red Court vampire group, and we see her again later on in the series. So uh, I thought it was a great entry point for her to introduce her character and her group. And we see more of the vampires later. There's like a, there's a black court, right? And a, is there a white court? So, I can't yep, remember. There's a white court of vampires, a black. Um, and I think it's book three that talks quite a bit more about, uh, about them. We get introduced to some characters from all three courts. And we also find out there's some other courts that are involved, like the Jade Court, et cetera, et cetera. They're just not as big. So it's just the three main courts that are like the power hitters for vampires. So it's a great introduction for that whole concept that we discover later on. So he gets another name of another person, like a friend of the the woman who was killed. So he tracks her down. He starts interviewing her. She's standoffish. But eventually he meets, um, she's like a driver. So she's going to the airport to pick up this other couple. And um, as he's talking with her, he gives her his card to contact him later. And then she leaves with this couple. So later on that it comes out that this couple is involved in, in the whole scenario with Victor sales and his magic, his dabbling in magic. So I think it's, that's important to bring up as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, it, that was, it was kind of an interesting meeting. And then also, we find that this girl ends up being the next victim, right? And which makes it even worse uh, for Harry because, um, one, it looks bad from Murphy's point of view, uh, and he has to try to keep it quiet, and, and Murphy can tell he's keeping things from her, and it's, you know, it's causing friction there. And this is a name given to him by Bianca, so now I'm sure Bianca's pissed off again. And so this is making it even worse for him. And so he is really, you know, feet over the fire. And this is kind of where, you know, this kind of leads into where we see um, some magical conflict here, Uh, you know, because next thing we know, he's uh, he's having to fight off scorpions in a freaking elevator. He's having to fight off some frog demon at home, right, and protect himself. And... um, and it was interesting to see, you know, the fight and the preparation from both sides. And, uh, you know, Harry's able to come out on top, uh, as we see in the, you know, as you're reading the book. And one of the things he he says, you know, the, he, and he didn't know who it was. I think he calls him uh, the shadow man, right? He calls the, um, the bad guy shadow man. And... So as the shadow man's trying to attack him and kill him with this demon, he, he shuts him down. Harry shuts him down. And he's like, what? How did you do that? And I, I loved how Harry was like, I went to school. You know, he's basically – and it's interesting and, and that's how he wins because he did. He went to school. He learned how to be a wizard. He took the time. And, you know, he's not all about destructive uh, magic. He he learned how to do it and he, he turned it off and was able to – save a woman named Susan, who we learn more about later and uh, quite a bit more about later, but she's introduced here and was able to live another day. And he did it naked as can be in the rain. Right. (laughs) So it's a, this is a fun part too, the demon part and the, the scorpion part, definitely read these parts, but it's kind of fun because Susan ends up taking a love potion and she's like trying to jump his bones while uh, he's trying to save her life and <laughs> he's naked running through the rain. And it is just a fun part. That whole sequence is fun. And and we're not going to talk about everything here. I know there's a lot of book reviews that go super, super into detail. We're just kind of glazing over quite a bit of the plot points, uh, but we're, we're going to touch on them. 
because we want you guys to read this. You should read it. It's a great book. You'll know exactly what we're talking about. Um, so, but th this was, this is a whole fun sequence uh, all the way through here. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Bob. You know, he's basically Harry's sidekick. So he'll be involved th throughout the rest of the series. But we're introduced to him here. So Bob, Bob the Skull, right? I mean, he, we find out he's a, a spirit of intellect. Um, he was owned by Harry's teacher, Justin DeMorn, who Harry killed, which is why he has the Doom of Democles over him. Um, he, and after, you know, after he killed him, he took Bob. He took him to help him out and to use his knowledge. And Bob is confined to the skull. And, you know, whoever holds the skull basically is who Bob is, uh, belongs to, right? He'll obey him for whatever reason. And so he's Harry's and they work together quite a bit. And it's kind of a fun relationship to him a bit. And, uh, you know, when I talk about Harry taking a love potion and Harry, uh, you know, running, you know, yada, yada, Bob is who he uses to help make this stuff. You know, he has the knowledge, uh, at being a spirit of intellect and he basically carries all the knowledge with him that he's learned through working, through other wizards. So Harry has access to all that knowledge, which is nice. But Bob is kind of a pervert. <laughs> kind right? of? He, <laughs> he is. He is the spirit of intellect. He doesn't, you know, he's not supposed to, um, you know, preference. Like he doesn't have a sex, right? He's not supposed to preference men over women. He's not supposed to do any of this stuff, but he loves women and boobs. He says it a million times. And so, uh, Harry wanted to make like a getaway potion and Harry and Bob was like, I'll help you if you make a love potion because you need to find some love, you know? And so Harry made it. And so then, you know, that's kind of what happened with, the love potion stuff. This girl accidentally took the love potion, not the speed potion, and that created its own debacle. But I mean, Bob is a fun character. You know, he has he's got a lot of wit. He was really well written, and he is there to help Harry. He he keeps Harry on his toes. He you know, as far as um, when Harry's asking for information, Harry has to really dial down what he's asking. He has to be specific, and that's kind of cool because sometimes. You know, you're talking to a being who doesn't understand the world like we do. And it, it's just um, it's just fun. He has no thoughts for good and evil, right? He's like, ah, oh, you and your you humanity and this good and evil thing. It's just, you know, silliness. Like, so he doesn't understand some of it sometimes. And it's fun. He's easily probably one of my top three, no, maybe top five favorite characters, I think. Yeah. He has his moments, that's for sure. He's fun mm -hmm. to, to, to read. The Shadow Man... We end up finding who he is, and it ends up being Victor Sells. The two investigations end up coming together, and he's able to pinpoint who it is and where they're at. So he, he goes to this lake house that we were introduced at the very first, because that's where Victor Sells does his magic, and he's able to confront Victor there. Mm-hmm. And Victor is, he tried to take shortcuts. He tried to do it, learn magic real fast. He tries to use a power that isn't, because I guess Harry uses magic that comes from within. It's internal, and Victor was using magic from external sources. So it's unreliable, or it's not as reliable. And you can't use it. You have to use it, for example, the, the book is called Stormfront. And so Victor uses the powers and the energies of the storm, like lightning and all the energy there, for his magic. So he can only use it when a storm comes through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and this is a fun part. So this is the end of the book. This is like the last, I don't know, 50 or so pages, right? And a lot happens. I mean, he shows up at the storm house. You see him, what you know, uses third eye vision, and and he sees the corruption that uh, Victor Sells is doing with his magic. You know, his magic is all destruction. And we get some insight to Harry here. And uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about his motivations. But we get some insight where, you know, Harry is kind of almost offended because. You know, like Justin said, he uses, he talks about, he's like, I love magic 
for what magic can do, you know, what I can do with it, what I can shape with it, what I can uh, help other people with it. I don't use it for my own benefit. I don't use it for my power. Um, you know, I love it for, you know, for, for these things. And this guy is perverting it. You know, he is using magic for destruction, for selfish, for, you know, raw emotions. And so he goes in there and we see a little bit of a throwdown uh, with magic. And, um, we see some cool stuff and Harry is really skirting the line, right? He is, Morgan has basically said, if I see anything, you're going to die. If I see anything, a question again, it's over. I'm just going to come kill you. So he is really skirting the line. He's like, crap, I can't, I can't do certain things until I get attacked or my life's in danger. And, uh, I can't use magic to kill him because, you know, that's breaking the law. So they, he goes in there, breaks up the party and, um, Victor uses his, his scorpion trick again, right? And uh, these huge, like, what they say, like dog size or something like that? Dog size scorpions. I hate scorpions anyway, so can you imagine like a pit bull size scorpion coming at you? And so he's got these scorpions. They're like destroying everything. And Harry, who went to school, <laughs> he enchants or uses magic on a broom, right? And he brooms the, the scorpions. Out. Yeah, scorpions away. And it's pretty cool. And then he gets in a tussle with with Victor Shatterman and he basically knocks him down and the scorpions kill him. And it was it was intense. That whole ending was intense and it was just drew me in and I loved it. And so he's able to kill him and well he didn't kill him, but you know, Victor Victor's magic killed himself and he's able to defeat Victor Shadow Man. And I think we hear that Monica goes to jail because obviously she was involved. We find out later because she delivered the scorpion to, you know, Harry and um, in the letter and it almost killed him. So um, he comes out on top. He wins the day and we see, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of sides of Harry why he did it. And um Morgan comes through, and as much as Morgan hated it, he gave him a glowing report, and we find that the doom of Democles is lifted at the end of this book, and he is no longer under a death threat. So Harry was able to navigate these these huge hills and and come out on top, and it really showed a lot of character from him uh, to do so, and that's part of the reason I love this book is because you know it's some good stuff from his point of view like it's not so linear he's he has a lot of layers to him and we get to see tons of them here so one question that you brought up earlier before we started the podcast is who trained victor sales the shadow man who uh, made it possible so that he could you know do these pretty intense magic spells and ceremonies really quick. And I think there's even a, an allusion to it in the story that someone trained him. Do you have any thoughts on that? Does that ever come out later? Or is it just one um, of the mysteries? It's one of the mysteries. I don't think it has actually ever said who trained him, but we just know that he knows more than he should from training himself. Like he, he's got, he has some, I'm trying to think of the right word. Like he's had some training from from people that that know their business, you know, kind of giving like one one making him a one trick pony. Like here's this amazing magical trick. Do it. And we don't really know who it is. Um, it was it's later hinted that Nemesis or the you know. The enemy, you know, the big enemy that's coming out in books 14, 15 from the outsiders may have been involved, but he had to have been infected somewhere. So we don't really know. Um, as we start seeing in the later books, there's this bigger plot going on in the background. And it comes out later that Victor Sells is probably involved in that in that plot, which is interesting because Monica is still alive. I, I keep wondering, are we going to go back to Monica at some point and find out more? Yeah, I think that would be a great tie-in to bring 
bring it back to the first book. Mm-hmm. You know, tie yeah, it all yeah, exactly. And and we I don't remember if we talked about this before, but these books are really feel like single books, like books one and two. You could read in any order, and you probably wouldn't miss too much. They're just kind of standalone books. So, I mean, so when we talk about you know who trained Victor Sells, it we're talking you know 15, you know twelve books from now is when they're talking about some of these connections. So. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I just don't know if it ever says. I have my suspicions, but that's it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think overall it was a great introduction to the to this uh, ongoing long series. Like you said, you, you picked up that first book back in 2002 not knowing what it was. You were immediately hooked. You wanted to read more. You went and got the rest of the books within a couple of days and started reading them. So I think as far as... An introduction to the series, great introduction, top-notch. Uh, doesn't reveal too much, but it reveals enough that you're like, huh, there's a deep backstory. It's not just this one-off book that's, you know, a lot of these uh, stories, these single-contained stories, you know, they're, they are, they're fun to read, they are what they are, and then you're done. You're on to the next adventure. But this isn't the case. There's a, a linear... Uh, thread line that starts with this book and continues on through the rest of them. Uh, so it's a great introduction. Uh, I would say for me, it's a, a B plus, A minus, uh, just cause there is, it's one of Jim Butcher's first books and there is some, I would say there's some limitations in his writing. It definitely gets better as he goes along. And I, as, but as far as the story goes, yeah, it's probably a B plus for me enjoyed it. I've read it a couple times this, uh, this time I read it and enjoyed it just as much as I did the first time. So what about for you? Oh yeah. Uh, for me, this was the hook, right? So, I mean, for me, I have to give an A because I mean, it, it was exciting enough for me that I had to look up the next books and keep reading. Um, you know, it was my heave ho into the, to this Dresden world that, that I've enjoyed uh so easily in a i i love you know what he did with harry dresden magic in the real world his motivations we see that his motivations are you know he really wants to protect people he he finds it offensive when people use magic for for things other than than helping people and, and bettering lives and things like that uh we start to see he hates bullies he wants nothing to do with bullies he wants nothing to do with Johnny Marconi. He wants nothing to do with Morgan because he's a bully. Uh, we see that he is more than willing to help those who ask him to help, you know. And I I just loved it. Uh, Bob was an amazing character. Uh, you know, as I read into the skull, it's this magic being who's just, just <laughs> I don't know, like some teenage hormone guy, you know. <laughs> it's great great character i mean we we get introduced to susan we didn't talk to her about a whole lot but uh, we see that there's some interest there between harry and harry and susan um we see a lot of conflict uh from all sorts of angles from bad guys bad wizards from gangsters from uh people who should be on his team it's just interesting to me how the world that it presented you know, magic in the real world, you know, what would magic be like if it was real? And it's kind of cool how he talks about it. Cause Harry says in numerous books, multiple times that if this was true, if magic was real, people would explain it away. They would say, you know, I didn't really see this guy use a staff and magic words to lift this car. It must've hit a bump and then somehow flown 15 feet in the air. We would convince ourselves it wasn't true. And that's true, right? If we didn't even saw anything like this, we'd be like, nah, you know, I'm, I must have had too much water to drink. Okay, not water. But you know what I'm saying. And so um, I, I enjoyed the way that was put together to kind of explain it. Because, you know, some people have a hard time reading books where it's like, look, that's too magical for me. That that would never happen. And it was just cool how it it all coalesces together to make sense, you know, to as much sense as it could make, right? And it and and so I enjoyed that. I enjoyed taking the time to do that. But like you said, early book from Jim, there was definitely some limitations here. 
um, on on how it was going, and and he definitely fixes that in the later books. He does a lot to um, change some of the characters. Uh, we didn't talk about Carmichael, but I think we see a good change in Carmichael uh, from this book to the next. Uh, we see a huge change from uh, Lieutenant Murphy through the series. We, I mean, everybody, even Morgan, right? Morgan changes a lot. It, it, so it's it's really neat to uh, to read it. So I, I definitely give this one an A. Uh, I mean, as far as a reread factor, I haven't reread this book for years, uh, but I loved it. I enjoyed it reading it. I was like, yeah, this is great. Um, I mean, it's not probably one of the books in the series I would just love to pick up and reread over and over again, but I think there is a reread factor there. Uh, if you've already read the series and you haven't reread it, it's a great one to pick up. I would give it a, you know, I don't know, probably a B minus in a reread factor. I mean, I would reread other books first. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so definitely check out Stormfront, book one of the Dresden Files. Uh, it's a great introduction to the series, like we said earlier. A lot of great stuff. Um, we want to thank you guys for joining us here on the Starborn Report from the Credible Nerds. Uh, definitely follow us on social media. You can find us there. You can interact with us there on Twitter, Instagram. Just do a search for Credible Nerds. We also have a Facebook page if you want to join us there. Uh, Facebook.com slash Nerds. Support us on Patreon. You can get all our episodes there. Some have exclusive content that you can't find anywhere else, just on Patreon. So join us there, support us. Join in the conversation on social media. We'll cover book two in our next episode, Full Moon, where we get into werewolves. Oh, there's more than one kind. So we'll talk more about the different kinds of werewolves and how Harry is able to confront them and what he ends up doing with werewolves. So great second story in the in the series. So for the Credible Nerds and Justin and Mark, we want to thank you guys for joining us here on this first episode of the Starborn Report. And we'll catch you next time. See you guys. Yeah.